so glad you could join us for mornings at YCBC today. We want to thank you for being a part of our online family and we hope that this message encourages you, blesses you and helps you grow in your walk with Him. So let's get into the Word. Um, I don't know if any of you saw the, the Facebook page with the title of this. It said 2582 and beyond. Did anyone see it on Facebook? Did you notice the graphic that um, Alex did? Testing now, testing. It was Toy Story, eh? And that, was, that came out of a discussion on uh, Friday. No, no, it was before that, Thursday. And we were just sitting around talking about today, and, and I've shared this, what we're going to talk about with the leaders in the church. So we, we just feel that this is, this is where God's taking us. But that, that thing to do with 2582 and beyond, when we came to Australia, we came here, and I'm going to tell you, we talked about the victory and, and being grumpy. Well, God told us to come to Australia and do a Youth with a Mission course. And everything, our leaders over in the UK were, were sharing with us and said, yeah, this is where you've got to go. And we got to Australia, and then they told me I had to go to the Philippines after that. Now, excuse me, I just paid a load of money to come here. I was a grumpy bloke, I've got to tell you. Um, but God softened my heart, and we went, we went to the Philippines. And Pam and I have been visiting the Philippines on and off now for 24 years. And we just loved a little group of people up north, and we'd love to take somebody there at some point if you want to come. But we just love to go and share with those guys. And, but we were on the plane, and we got on the plane in Sydney, and it was a Singapore Airlines. And our son, who was eight at the time, was sat behind us in a row with a bunch of kids, and they were kicking mum and dad's seats and having a great old time. And I just had a camera, the year old video camera, and turned it around. And now I can't even play the tape because I haven't got a way of doing it. I said, Dan, where are we going? And he said, to the Philippines, I'm beyond. And it was like, it stuck with me. Because I really felt, during, as we were preparing this, and that picture that's up there, Yas Valley. And that was a picture that was given to us by Leslie and, and the whole church. But Leslie presented it, and she, she shared some words that really actually touched Pam and I's heart. And we, we actually, we were crying. I have to admit, I was crying. I do cry, by the way. But it was like, God... It's like 2582 and beyond. God called us here. 24 years ago when we got on a plane to come to Australia, he knew that we'd be standing here right now talking about what we're about to talk about. Because God doesn't make mistakes. We kind of go all here, there, and everywhere. We might go off on our little trip over here and our little trip over there. God had a plan. And I'll share a little bit about why I know that God has a plan for all of us as, as a group, as YCBC. And if you're visiting today, if, I know some people are here for the first time, you're only... And I get, I get to get some mileage out of this, I reckon. Now, you're only four weeks behind us now. You know, we've only just arrived, so you're new too, we're new. But Leslie had these words, and just gave, when that picture was presented, said that, you know, 2582, this is our community. And at some point, we'll talk about 2582 in Strong's. So I said, it's a lot of the scripture in Strong's talks about shoulder to shoulder, you know, rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the walls. And something about this town, is significant. It really is. I, don't, I mean, some of you may have lived here all your life, but there is a spiritual well in this town. I honestly believe that God is, is he, I believe it was the first place that the gospel was preached outside Sydney. And they stopped here. They didn't go because Canberra didn't exist anyway. But they stopped here and there's some significant roots. And some of you have journeyed on that. But one of the scriptures that Leslie shared was that Revelation 22, the river of life flowing through. The river of life. And then John 7, 37 said, On the great and last day of the festival, Jesus stood and he said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And Isaiah 55, another scripture. 
Little did she know that there's scriptures that God has had on our hearts for many, many years. Isaiah 55, come if you are thirsty. So my question this morning, is you thirsty? Are you hungry for what God wants to do in this valley through YCBC? Because I really do believe that God is about to do something. And in our, in our journey, I've shared before our call is Isaiah 61 and Luke 4.18 to speak the gospel, to preach the gospel, preach the good news and, and see people healed, restored. And, and over many years, I've got the privilege to, to share on the radio here and once spoke over this valley about the dry bones because there's many people who've been in churches for many years and they're sitting at home today. And if you're sitting at home today watching this, I encourage you to come back because dad is not angry or mad with you. He wants, your, he wants his kids back in, in the family. He really does. And so when we were on this journey of, of coming here, I said, God, you know, I really need a scripture because somebody taught me many years ago to get the word of the Lord to stand on. Because when it's all going pear-shaped and when it's going wrong, you've got to have that word from God. And this is, you know, this is the roadmap. This is the simple roadmap that we all have. And in there it says, love God, love people, make disciples. Disciples for the nations, not pew fillers. Love God, love people, make disciples. That's as hard as it gets. But I said, I need a word for coming here. And what he gave me was this. In John 4, 31 to 38, I'm not going to go through a whole lot, but at the end it says, you will reap a harvest you did not sow. Pam and I have been sowing in this nation and in the nation of the Philippines and a few others including Indonesia. We've been sowing over all these years we've been here, but we've sown a little bit in here, but some of you have been here for many, many years, and you've sown into not just this church, you've sown into the valley. You've sown into what 2582. And God's saying, we're about to reap a harvest. It was really encouraging. And it, we also had a, a word about that, about preaching and teaching to the new season. So for me, it's all about, it's, it's all about Jesus. That's the bottom line. Carl was sharing that before. It's all about Jesus. And I want all these beautiful gifts that are looking at me today. You know, that I'm looking at such amazing gifts that God wants to use every one of our gifts and we'll talk about where to from here. And I'm going to attempt to move that, but it doesn't seem to be working. It did? It did? Yeah. Ah, there you go. Let's come back. It's not changing up there. I'm going blind. <laughs> okay. Out of the foot of my cross... Um, our commissioning, Isaiah 61, go and teach the gospel, make disciples, preach that. But it's all about the cross. And that cross you see there is actually at, on the back paddock of our house, of our property here. 16 years ago, the Lord got us into 2582, told us the bloom we were planted. And we, he told me to put that cross up. And there's a little story behind that cross is that we were in a life group in our, in our church, our current church in Canberra, and we were traveling in and out. And I had a carpenter in the group, and I said, hey, mate, God's told me to to put this cross at the, on the paddock behind our house. And I didn't know why. But he said, three weeks later, he came to me. He said, I found a piece of wood to your specifications. I made that cross. I'm coming out on Saturday morning to put it in with you. And you know what? Carpenters get up at five in the morning and they, they turn up at six at your house. You know, really, for the tradies, I love you. But I'm like, okay. And it's fog and we, we go out to the paddock and it's on the top of a hill. Right on the top of a rock hill. And we, he gets his jackhammer out and he goes, I'm going to bury this thing here. And I went, no, it's, it's here. And I cleared some soil and I went down this far, that wide, no rock, just rock around it. And we're about to put the cross in. And this water started to bubble up. And it started to bubble up and it bubbled up for 30 minutes. 
And we're kind of looking at it. Well, I'm freaking out. And, like, and at the end of it, the water stopped. And I said, quick, get the cross in before anything else happens. And we <laughs> put the concrete in. And we stood and we prayed. And by this time, it was like 7 o'clock in the morning. And the sun was coming up. I just felt the Lord say to me, out of the foot of my cross will come streams of living water to heal the nations. Out of the foot of my cross. Now, that doesn't mean the cross on Keith and Pam's property because we're not going to have that property forever. The Lord's been speaking to us. We need to be in, closer into where we, we are now. You know, because it's, it's great. It was 35 minutes. It's fine. But I really believe that if we're going to be in this community, we need to be here. So we're praying for someone special to take over this property. So that cross has had people come from around the world. Without us inviting, people would turn up and say, what do you do out here? And people went out to that cross and the Lord has spoken to them and sent them out. And somebody spent two hours out there and God did some stuff. So that's the story of this cross, but it's out of the foot of Jesus' cross. And in three weeks' time, we get to celebrate together as a family what Christ did on that cross. He cleared all our debts. He paid all of it for all of our sin, past, present, and future. And he wants his kids back. So it's from the foot of his cross. Everything we do is about Jesus in this season. So now you get to have a look at that one there. We're going to talk about rest leading up to Easter. I've got a couple of sermons I'm starting to prepare around rest. And that doesn't mean we put a deck chair up or go and take a snooze so that I rock up with Pam next week and there's nobody here but Pam and I. It's not about taking a holiday, resting in God. What is, what is God saying? And he said, that's the word I believe that the Lord said for the season. I shared that with the leaders. It's like, we need to rest. You guys have been through a long journey. In fact, a lot of people in this nation and around the world have been through a long journey since, well, we had the bushfires of 2019, 2020. And I worked with some nurses during that time. And then 2020, then we got COVID. And COVID happened and with lockdowns and shutdowns and people just re-emerging, then Pastoral search committees on a big journey. And I believe that it's the season to do everything out of rest. So when we do that, Matthew 6.33 says, So above all else, constantly chase after the realm of God's kingdom, his righteousness that proceeds from that. And then all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. So it's, we don't have to rush around. We just have to chase God. Chase after him. We rest in him. And as we rest in him, no performance. What you see is what you get with me. One of the things that God, over many years, and again, I'll share some of that stuff as we journey. I used to be a great performer. I had a hat for home and a, a mask for work and a mask in the pub. I was all these different people. And do you know what that was? That was exhausting. It's exhausting when you try and be all things to all people and pretend. And I did it. Why? Because I didn't know who I was. And I believe that God wants us all to know who we are. So over this season, we start to look at who are we in Christ? And I, I remember 20-odd years ago, sharing with a guy in Youth of the Mission, I said, well, I want to do this for God, and I want to do that for God. And I, want, I wanted to do so many things. And he said, who are you? It's a great question. Who are you? And do you know what? I thought about it for about five minutes. Then I cried because I didn't know who I was. When we know whose we are, out of that foot of that, that redemptive cross, we don't need performance. We don't need professional productions. I love the gifts that we have, the, the leaders in worship. And we'll talk about what worship is. But the people who lead us at the beginning of the day, there's people who serve and do things that, you know, I've found, I've found out there's all sorts of things happen in YCBC. And they're amazing things. And people don't know what goes on. So it's time to seek this kingdom. It's seek his rest in his presence, to receive from his presence. 
and to do everything we do out of the kingdom presence. To enter the gates with thanksgiving and praise and see what God's doing in this town and beyond. So 2582 and beyond. And let's just be part of what God's doing. Instead of inviting him into our plans, how about we ask him, what's his plans for you and for this church and going on? So, about a rest, and there's some foundations in that rest. I want to talk about one of the big foundations, and that's, that's this river that flows through, the foundation of rest. Rest is something that we all need. Rest physically restores us, it mentally restores us, it spiritually restores us. When you look at that, so we're going to talk more about rest. And one of the words, there was a, 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 an encouraging word sent to Pam and I from a church down in Nara. I don't even know who the pastor is, but we got this word that was sent. And it came just after Leslie had shared the stuff about the river of life. And I want to read this to you because I believe that this is a real, it was an encouragement to us. But I think it's an encouragement to what's going on in this valley. It says this. Said, I saw God is going to reveal wells of refreshing across different parts of our state, New South Wales, and beyond. There is going to be an unblocking of the flow of the river of God through these wells. These places will be known as places where the parched can drink, the broken can heal, and the disillusioned can dream again. They will be known as places to encounter the rivers of God's presence, as it says in John 7.38. And it says this in John 7, 38. He who believes in me, adheres to me, sticks to me, trusts in me, relies on me, as the scripture says, from his innermost being will flow continual rivers of living water. Who wants a continual flow of living water? I do. I do. And then it carries on. It says they are linked by an aquifer of living water flowing from the throne room of God. They will start with a few of these churches, but they will spread to many. People will travel locally, statewide, and internationally to come and sit in the atmosphere of these sort of churches and just drink the presence of God. Don't have to perform. When presence of God says, starts to sort things out. And I thought that was really cool. And I was driving in on Monday for the staff meeting. I talked to Carl, and it kind of hit me. I talked to a bunch of visitors last week. There was people passing through from Queensland to uh, Wagga Wagga. There was some going from Melbourne. And we have the caravan park over there they're going from Melbourne through to Canberra there was people just arriving and one of those was a minister of 47 years and he came up and talked to me at the end of the service he was a Wesleyan Methodist minister and he actually said can I have your your email address so okay there you go and the next day he sent me this beautiful email he said you know what I've been teaching the word of God for 47 plus years and I have been filling heads with knowledge what I saw in this community was hearts being filled with love. Wow. Grab that. That wasn't Keith and Pam. That's, that's what's going on here. And there's been visiting preachers who've come during your search saying the same thing. It's a well of refreshing. People will travel to sit in that well. So the season, it carries on. The season is now. It's an outpouring of the Father's favour. Get ready. So that we, need, we can rest in that. We can rest that we as a community just do that. A community of love. And I guess love is something I've spoken about the last few weeks while we've been here. You know, so many people need a safe space. They just need to be cared for. There's many out there that have walked with the Lord and have walked away. There's also many broken out there. And people who just want to find a place and they're looking everywhere. But this, they want a home. They want a home and a safe place to recover. 
One of the other identity uh, foundations in there in that river is about identity. And I just talked about my identity and how I didn't know it. So I want to explore that. And I believe that God wants us to know our true identity in Romans 8. You know, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. Led by the Spirit of God. And it actually, I think I shared it a couple of weeks ago. In Romans 8, 19, it says that the world are standing on tippy toes waiting for those children to rise up. And you know what? Mums and dads raise kids who grow up to be mums and dads who raise kids. God wants to fill his church and he wants to fill it with the children of God, not orphans and slaves. One of the other things I put in there is, you know, the, um, the Holy Spirit's empowerment. Unless we've got the Holy Spirit, what's the point? Uh, Moses said, unless your spirit goes with me, God, I ain't going. And, you know, that's kind of a prayer that I pray quite often. Lord, if we're not going to be led by you, and I'm not going. One of the other things, and again, we'll expand on these. I just want to give you an overview of what I believe, and we've shared with the leaders, that this seems to be where God's taken us. Prayer is such a foundation. Uh, we, can, we can all pray when we've got a problem. Hey, you know, when we've got a problem before us or the struggles, and some of you have heard the story of, you know, sometimes we've, uh, our son has been in and out of mental health hospitals and things like that, and one time we nearly lost him. And yes, there was an intensity of prayer, but God wants to get us in a rhythm of prayer. A few years ago, Pam and I were in, um, in France. A friend of ours has a small property just outside Paris, and they said, hey, you go over there, go rest. It's actually called Bethany, and that was our old foundation. Was these. But that was, that was given to them during a time when his wife was really struggling. She was recovering from breast cancer, and she speaks fluent French. She teaches it, even though she's Scottish. And she said, I want to live there while you're deployed. He was in the military. And they went to live there, and they set up this little place, and currently they've got someone from um, oh, Ukraine living there. But we, we lived there, and we were refreshed, and they had a little church there in the middle of this great Catholic place. There was just this ecumenical church. And every morning and every evening, they just opened the church up and said, hey, we're just, someone's going to be there, just having this rhythm of prayer. And the flow from the throne room of God when we went there was just amazing, just blessing. So having a rhythm of prayer. Tomorrow, um, I'm catching up with Gary from the Vine Church. I said, hey, let's put it out. Let's, let's ask people to just come to trade. Let's sit there for half an hour and let's pray for this town. Because, you know, if churches pray together, they will stay together. There will be unity and God will command a blessing. The other thing is, is worship. And, you know, worship nights, we're, we're having them once a month. I think they're starting in April. We're going to combine stuff like that. But worship is not just about singing and stuff. It's a, it's a lifestyle. And one thing, anyone who hangs around with us, Pam and I, over a period of time, we had a girl who lived with us, and she'd tell you this. Our lifestyle is not a hobby. This isn't a pastime. This isn't our next job. This is where God has brought us. We have no plan B, folks. I don't, Keith does not have a plan B. Unless Jesus sorts it out, there is no plan B. Plan A is Jesus, plan B, C, D, E, it's Jesus. We don't have that. It's a lifestyle of worship. I love when Dan comes up and he goes, right, we're going to move into the worship. You know, we're going to move our worship now into the worship of giving, the worship of this, the worship of that. We live a lifestyle of worship. We need to be worshippers. In fact, we've sung about that this morning. So, some foundations. So we have those foundations dropped off the screen, but that's okay. So the foundations are there. That's our, that's our river. We're going to go, keep going back to those foundations to sit and rest in that. And I believe that God wants to get us into the center of that river. It gets deep and it gets a bit wild. But if we're ankle deep, 
in our faith. We're ankle deep, knee deep. We just walk into the river. And that song, Oceans, really spoke to my heart over many years when God has led us over the last 24 years. When I couldn't see it, God knew where it was. So the scripture, this scripture that was read before by Alex, around Isaiah 62, verses 10 to 12. And I just want to read it from a different version, Passion. It says, pass through, pass through the gates, and go from the old to the new. Prepare a new path for the people. Build up, build up a highway for them to come to me. Remove every hindrance. And you know, sometimes I can be a hindrance. I've got to tell you that. I myself can be the hindrance. Unfurl a banner to the nations. See, Yahweh is proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Tell my daughter Zion, that's us. Here comes your deliverer. See, he's bringing his reward. His recompense goes before him. They will be called his holy people, the redeemed of Yahweh. And they will be known as those who God loves. A city not abandoned. Those who God loves. That's who we are. We're the people who God loves. There's some quite clear instructions. and We'll look at that a bit further in the coming months. But it says, pass through, pass through the gates. Go from the old to the new. You know, there's a really good saying that says, if you always did what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. I think we've got to, not, not that I'm coming in and saying, let's change everything, because there's some amazing ministries and things happening here. I'm saying, let's seek God. Let's ask him about his plans. And let's jump in the river with God. Build up, build up the highway for them to come to me. People actually are seeking. They're seeking a place of love and peace, and they want to know that God's in that. But I love that bit at the end. They will be known as those who God loves, a city not abandoned. A number of years ago, we, we were at a conference and we were actually, I just preached on oneness and I preached on unity and how it all flows out of relationship. Relationship with God, love God, relationship with people, love people, love, love our church family, but also it's the people out there. God gave us eyes to, to love the people out there and make disciples. So it all flowed out of that. And this lady actually said, can I pray for you? And she's, she's well known in Queensland and and around Australia, and she actually said, people want to come to a place. They just, they're done with trying hard. They're done with the performance. They just want a place to be safe and actually come home to Jesus. There's many prodigals, north, south, east, and west, that are just, they're just wanting Jesus. I've had some conversations around, even this town in the last few weeks, with people going, I used to go to church, but this happened to me. I was wounded. I was hurt. People at least are honest to tell you where they're at. So I believe that God wants us to be those people that loves, to be a safe space. So three little things on that. Hospital, school, and airport. Let's pop them up there in the interest of sort of time and stuff. But a hospital. Who's been to hospital? Yeah, broken a bone or gone to hospital because you're ill or many other reasons. Sometimes you go to hospital and babies. You go all sorts of things. But when we go to hospital, sometimes some of us have been in emergency. We don't stay there. We move through the different stages and maybe we've got to go to rehab and go through a whole bunch of stuff that's happening. But you know, church shouldn't be this place where it's perfect and we've all got our acts together. All of what Carl was saying there earlier, you know. Sometimes we, you know, we come to church and we, we're tempted, I don't know about you, but I've been tempted in the past to put a smiley face on and I've just had a big blue with Pam in the car park. And you go, hallelujah, Jesus is good. Isn't he good? Isn't he great? Hallelujah. When really inside here, I'm going, I just want to get out. We need to actually, yeah, be free to be. 
Come into the hospital. So there's a place where people are going there. And that's all to do with our hearts. And we've sung songs about the heart. Carl spoke about the heart. We're going to expand on these three and just have a little look. The other one is the school. Yeah, so sometimes when people have had their hearts restored, they want to know some stuff. Pam and I have done youth with a mission. We were in discipleship training for three years. I think I've been in it for the last 30 years, just trying to learn. But, you know, we never stop learning. The day we do, we say, hello, Jesus. But what do we know? What, what are the stuff? What do we believe? Do we believe the truth that the resurrecting power of Jesus is alive and kicking today? Because if we don't believe that, we may as well pack up and go home. Because Jesus came off the cross. We're going to celebrate that in three weeks today. He came off the cross. He's not dead. He's not buried. He's alive. And he's still working miracles. I want to encourage you, though. That's, we need to educate. So learning those things around that is about the head, the school. And then the airport. Pop out. The airport is where people get sent. For us, people have said to us, when are you going overseas on missions when they heard we were missionaries? I said, I am. I came 20,000 kilometers, but God still sends. He keeps sending. He hasn't stopped sending. He might send us to the local community. He might send us to a friend. But God is someone who sends. So the airport is all about our hands and what we do. So I'll just touch on those. The hospital, I'll just pop them up. In a hospital, you know, you have doctors and stuff. But who runs a hospital? The nurses, the nurses run the hospital. That's my take on it anyway. They're the ones who care. They're the ones... Because we were in ministry many years ago with another couple, and they said, we're the surgeons, you just look after the people. We'll do all the operations on them, spiritually speaking, and you just care for them afterwards. And you know, one of the things I've discovered is that we're all about relationship. For Pam and I, our heart is to, to get to know everybody, to, to actually have relationship, quality relationships. So the nurses look after places where the nurses love, that this would be a sense of belonging. This place would have, a, you'd have a place to come and belong because you know what? People want to belong before they start to behave. And I think we've just got to actually allow that to happen. A place where people get healed, they get restored, they're supported, body, soul, and spirit. And there's a whole range of ways we do that. Through prayer, through pastoral prayer ministry, pastoral care, discipling. Yeah, some people call it mentoring, but all of those things, support for people, one-to-one, -one, having a coffee. We were just talking earlier about you know, going into... To trader, you say you went into to trader the other day, and uh, it's like everybody's seen each other. That's not a bad thing, but you can't walk down the town without having a conversation with somebody. Relationship, supporting people like that, referring for counselling. So, in terms of the school, thing flicks ahead. What do I know? Is what I know the truth? My son was telling me the other day the. They were in a church and they suddenly realized they had to unlearn some stuff they'd learned previously. Oh, man, that's powerful, hey? Don't take, don't take what Keith says as the gospel truth, hey? Because I'm a human being and I might get it wrong. Go look in the word of God. This is where the truth is. The truth is found in there, but the, I love the scripture that was quoted earlier on. Was, you know, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So truth is actually found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where truth comes from, in a relationship with Jesus. And that's something that is really, really important to me. And it wasn't important to me. And on the 2nd of April, which happens to be a Sunday, that I was born on the 2nd of April in 1996. I know I'm looking a bit old for my age, but, you know, on 2nd of April, 8.35, 1996, Jesus walked in my life. And that's the most, that's the most important relationship I have. In fact, 
on, on the church profile when it pops up, you'll see something on there that says that Pam is my second best friend. And she's okay with that. She is, because Jesus is my first and foremost friend. And if that wasn't true, then our relationship of 40 odd years would not, would not be alive. So God wants us to know, you know and re-understand and, and work on what we are. Where do we do that? A place where people are discipled, empowered, encountering stuff, equipped and trained. There's a whole range of reasons and places we can do that. There can be teaching, there's preaching. And many, there's many good preachers in this place. There's many good people who can teach. Small groups, you know, training and discipling. Again, discipling just goes through all of them. The last one's this, the airport. Let me pop that up. So if we're, we're contributing... This is a place when, when we say the airport's where people go. And we were sat on that plane you know, to the Philippines and beyond. And we'll have a look at how these affect us personally, as a group, as a church, and then as a community. But place where people are allowed to contribute, create, and lead. You know, we, we haven't just come here with all the great ideas. I've just seen some amazing you know, stuff that's happening. And there's so many gifts that... I think Francis Chan, he quit his church of 5,000 people because he was fed up with 5,000 gifts looking at him. He said, you need to get out and use your gifts. You can contribute. And we want to hear from people. The leaders want to hear. Well, what do you think? What's God saying to you? place where we're Holy Spirit's empowered. You know, that we actually go out in the power of the Holy Spirit. That starts right back, you know. That starts right back. That Jesus needed the Holy Spirit. He needed to be empowered when he was walking around. And when he left, he said, wait in that room in the book of Acts until the Holy Spirit came. So we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We need to be connected, connected with each other, connected with God. When I know that when I disconnect from God, when, I, when I'm having a, a tough time and I start to disconnect there, I get dry. And dry things snap. I need to be moist and wet and full and in that river at all times. That's our source. That's our foundation. So if we're dry, we go back to the river. We rest. We wait. We engage in serving. Where are we serving? Where, where's our heart? Because for me, that performance, I was serving everybody and everything. But I was wearing myself out. Why? Because I wasn't sharing from, sharing from a heart of love. I was sharing from a need to be accepted and you know, appreciated. So using people's gifts. People using their gifts, their passions. Discipling. Again, it goes there. Love God, love people, make disciples of nations. Kingdomize this valley. Actually see people want to Christ. Not to sit in a pew, but to actually disciples make disciples. Discipling others, community engagement, missions. Now, this, this is a mission field. Right now we have a mission field in Yas. We have one in 2582 and there's one out there too. And maybe God will see people will come here. They'll be loved, appreciated, equipped and they'll go. When I was in Indonesia, I was actually teaching on a, a discipleship leadership course for young Indonesian leaders. And there was one young woman in that course that came for prayer. And she'd had a horrible life. She'd actually been, basically, her parents had come out of Islam, they'd given their life to Christ, and then they died. And that girl was given to the grandparents who were, they were Muslims, and they sold her. And what they sold her into was not nice. It was prostitution from the age of three. When I met her, she was 18. And there was such, she'd come to the Lord at 16 and she found her way back to Jesus. 
And in the space of what God did in her in about a week, she is now serving, uh, running her own mission base in Indonesia because God actually healed her, he trained her, and then he equipped her to go. And that's, that's my heart, is to, to have a place where people can move through. And maybe people just come and sit in the river for a while. You know what? We're part of the kingdom of God. There's some amazing churches. Remember that word said there are wells around the place. Maybe some people just come to find their way back to Jesus. That's okay. Now, it's not about winning people for YCBC. Did he really just say that? It's true though, isn't it? God is actually coming back for one church. It just happens to be. No, no, no. It's, he's coming back for one church. And he wants that church healed and ready and equipped. So how does that work? Ooh, does that? Let's have a look at that one. Let's have a look at that again, hey? Nah, I say, look at that. It's all of me. It's all of me, all of you becoming more like Jesus. That's my journey. Am I there yet? No. And that was the other thing our kids used to, to say when we were on traveling around the world on uh, mission trips. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> no, we're not there yet, kids. Are we there yet? And sometimes I say that to you, you know, God, are we there yet? I'm sure he's, he's, he's sitting there and he's going, can you stop asking me? You'll get there when you get there and you'll, when you meet Jesus. But let's have some fun on the journey because help comes on the way. When we're on the journey, we actually can get the help. If we're stood in one place, then sometimes the help doesn't normally come. But if we're moving, we start to get help, becoming more like Jesus. I'm not going to go into that today. That's, that's a bit of a heavy thing, but... The reason I put that up is that there are three circles that cross over. The head, the heart, and the hands. They're not individual. We can't just do all hand stuff and get out there. Otherwise, we're just like a social agency. We'll have a look at some scripture around that. When they all combine, when they come together, that's where we start to build love and trust. Anyone had their trust broken? Yeah. What was it like? What was it like to have your trust broken? Disappointing. Disappointing. Heartbreaking, absolutely. And you know, trust is, is a very finite thing. And in 40 plus years of knowing Pam, trust was broken along the way. And it takes a long time to repair. I thank God for what he does in all of our lives. But trust is something that we need to foster. One of the big things that breaks trust is things like gossip and slander and all those things, as ugly things. And I have to say, I had a little bug burn. If I hear that, I, I, I speak about that had that in one of our old churches and someone, I just happened to walk past and hear a conversation about, and I said, come with, come with me, come with me, let's take you to that person. Let's have a conversation with the person, not about the person. It's the thing I know about gossip. If people are gossiping to you, they're normally gossiping about you too. You know? But it's about love, it's about surrender. Surrender to Jesus. All, we, we sing songs, all for you, Jesus. Like I said, I haven't got a plan B. And if he doesn't do that, and I know that there's just talking and hearing people's hearts with those that we have caught up with. That is such a passion. People are just soul for Jesus. And it, it, it's obedience to Jesus. Sometimes it's tough to be obedient, hey? But our habits are these things. Time in the Word. Time in prayer. Time having fellowship. Koinonia. Hanging out. Doing things. We've got a church meeting, by the way, on 30th of uh, April. It's a great time to hang out. And come and find out, yeah, yeah. But it's life in the church. What is going on? That's the inputs. So we're having inputs to these things. And really the action is all about the fruit of the Spirit. I'd rather do things out of the fruit of the Spirit 
rather than because I have to. Just on those things, what happens if we only got head knowledge? And I remember that guy, he emailed me, 47 years in ministry, he says, oh, I spent most of my life filling people's heads with knowledge. But you know, it says in the word, it says in 1 Corinthians 8, 1 to 3, knowledge, a little knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. You know, we can all imagine we know something. And Carl said something about being right earlier on. You know, it's not about being right. It's actually about just being together. It's not about being right all the time. But little knowledge puffs up. So if someone's just operating out of the head, Paul contrasted that with the type of knowledge that we have in love. You know, the Corinthian people, they actually thought they had it all together. They thought they knew everything. But it's not about that. It's about what I shared a couple of weeks ago. Romans 12, 1 to 2. It's about being transformed by the renewing of your mind. The renewing of the mind. See, God teaches us through his word. This thing here is alive and kicking. You know, when I first picked this up, I was a kid, and I, I just, oh, it was so boring and dry. Now when I pick it up, it jumps off the page. It's alive. It's alive. This word is alive. So, you know, went to the Philippines, and there's a lot of PhDs and, and doctors of divinity. It's really cool. We, we got denied access to a church because I didn't have a doctorate in divinity. And that's a shame because... I taught everyone else to have a PhD. It's what Jesus did. He prayed, he hid from the Father, and he did it. PhD. Pray here, do. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that we don't need to know the Word. We don't need to study. Pam and I have spent a lot of time studying the Word and spending time in Bible college to, to learn stuff. So it's, a, it's about love. If we have just head knowledge and no love, Corinthians talks about that. I do that often when I'm doing marriages, you know? If we make noise, you know, make a lot of noise when we know stuff, but it's like an empty gong. There's no love. We need love. So what about if we just have love and all love? Everything's about feelings and desires, the heart, the heart only. You know, if we didn't have the knowledge to appropriate that, we need to have our hearts and our feelings shaped by God. In John 14, 15, it says this. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll, you'll do those things that are in the book. In the Bible, you know? I used to think that the Ten Commandments were a book of rules to be obeyed and the laws to be commanded. And actually, you know what? They're dad's best for us as his kids. Hey, guys, don't do those things because they'll mess you up. I know, because they did mess me up. 1 John 3.16 in the New International says, you know, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us. That's how we know what love is. That's a real heart love. Real love models Jesus. Jesus had a lot of strong emotions. He got angry once and he made a whip. But he, he took a time to do that. He had the emotions. He had every emotion that we know, but he didn't sin. So he got angry, but he didn't sin. Because he had understanding. What about the hands if we just do that? If we just go around doing the hands, you know... Someone's about all the, the action. Let's do all these things. And there's no heart and no understanding. This is what happens. You know? Perfect example, King Saul. Saul in 1 Samuel 10.8. Saul was instructed by the prophet Samuel to wait for seven days for Samuel to arrive. And then he'd be told what to do. You just jump back. Oh, we're only going three chapters further on. 1 Samuel 13.8-10. Saul gets impatient. Who gets impatient? I do. Come on, God, are you not doing it now? But Saul, he got impatient, and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. 
He didn't do it. And right when Saul finishes all the sacrifices he did, Samuel turns up and says, sorry, you're disqualified now. You know? God's taken your kingdom, and he actually, because of your disobedience. The sacrifices in themselves weren't wrong. Just wasn't what he was supposed to do. And if, those, if our actions aren't united with what God's love is and his word, it's a bit of a mess. The reality is obedience is the key to all of this. So we need to engage our heart and our head and our hands in serving the kingdom. So we've got all these things. And then just one last one. One last one. If there's heart and hands, I could share all these, but if there's heart and hands and no head, so we've got good hearts, we've got, we've got hands. If you think about what happened with the golden calf in, in Sinai, Mount Sinai and Exodus, Exodus talked about it. Moses was taking too long. Come on, Moses, you're not got down from that mountain talking to God and tell us what to do. People got bored. People were just, and what did they do? They made themselves a god. And they worshipped a, a cow made of gold. How crazy is that? But you think about what people worship these days. It could be social media. It could be alcohol. It could be anything. Anything we turn our attention to above Jesus gets us off track. So they did exactly what God told them not to do. He said in his commandments, you should have no other gods but me. It's kind of, we need all of these three in action. So just, just to sort of wrap that up this morning. We've got the heart, we've got the head, and we've got the hands. They need to be operating together. And we'll talk more about this as we go through the year, but there's three, three levels there, three stories, if you like. My story. And that's not Keith's story, by the way. That's your story. That's, what, what is my story? People have, I've had people ask me that, you know. I'll be talking to people and, and they go, what's your story? What's your story? How did you get to Australia? In fact, we just had some friends from the UK come visit us for three days. He got saved in my office in 2005. He's 70 this year and he's serving the king over in the UK and he... He just said, yeah, I tell people that story. I'm still getting mileage about what God did in my life that day. It wasn't what Keith did. But I asked him what his story was. I said, what's your story? What's going on? We need to know each other's stories. That's about relationship. But what is God doing in your heart, your head, and your hands right now? So your story fits into the, you know, the next story. What's our story? What's YCB's story? What are we doing? What's, what's going on in our hearts together corporately? Our heads and our hands. And that feeds into the bigger picture, the big story. 2582 and beyond. I believe that God's setting us a scene here where we can go and build up his highway. But we have to be internally, ourselves, looking at our head, our heart and our hands. Then as a, as a church, what's our story? What do we tell people? What is your story? What do you do? And then what's the big picture? What's the big story? So... Let's pop those up. That's what it looks like going forward. Uh, engaging our head, our heart, and our hands. Having a foundation of rest and love. Prayer, worship, seeking God. And telling people our stories. You know, it says in Revelation that they were saved by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And I've heard some amazing testimonies in the very short time we've been here permanently hanging out. Some amazing stories. We should tell them to people. Maybe we're going to write them down because testimony is something that people, that's your story. And how God got me here is not how God got you here. 
But Jesus, Jesus wants us to tell the story, not of our past, but of his redeeming love. So that's where we're going to do. We're actually going to just wrap it up there. And I'd encourage you, if you've got any questions or you want to know about this stuff that we've talked about, please, come and have a coffee. Hear what my story is. Hear, hear what our stories are. We want to hear your stories and just start to build that, that relationship because I believe that God wants us to go out like those ripples. The effect of what's doing here, the dry bones that exist in this town and beyond. He wants you and us to have that influence, to have that, that stuff. You know, people talk, oh, well, I don't do much. There's not a lot I can do. And, you know, but you could be a home, you could be a mum or a stay-at-home dad. Whatever. Right there in your family, you have got your story. You can make the most influence in your home. People go, my, my daughter-in-law was talking to me this week and she said she was really frustrated when someone prayed for her and said, you're anointed to be a mum. But I want to do this for God. And she's actually realized that actually it's one of the most powerful things. Because mums and dads raise children. If you raise your children in the way that God wants them raised, they won't depart from it. Our, our son went off on his journey. All our kids have gone off on their journey. But you know what? They find their way home. So it might be that. It might be, well, I just do this. I'm just the, like the guy who stayed with us. He used to be a um, refrigeration engineer working on big blocks. I said, I'm just a, I'm just a refrigeration engineer. But he told me, and I didn't know this story till the other day, when he left me, he went back to work on the building site, and he, he went and got some stickers printed that said Jesus on them. He stuck it on his hard hat. <laughs> and he thought, I'm either going to get run off the building site, or people, and people can, hey, good on you, mate. Well done. Tell me your story. How, why are you wearing that? You know what? It's, wherever we work, it's, a, it's, our, it's our place of influence. You know, we, the media, if you work in media, if you work in education, all of these things, they come out of the Bible. God started schools. But guess what? The enemy's had his field day, and I think he's had, been too strong for too long in this valley. So could we pray? And then we're just going to move into a time of communion. Yeah, Lord, I just, I just thank you for, for this place that we sit, for YCBC, God. I, I thank you for our stories that combine to converge in the family of God to be our story, to go out to influence 2582 and beyond, Lord. Just thank you for your river that does literally flow through this town. But Lord, I just pray that your river, the river of, of God would flow through this town, that Lord, we would be known as the people you love. Lord, we wouldn't be known as those that judge or those who bash up or those who who reject, but Lord, we, we would actually be the people. We would model Jesus in our homes, in our workplaces, when we're walking down the street, when we get cut up. Lord, we, you wouldn't just be a bumper sticker in our lives. You wouldn't be something, yeah, and, and I'd encourage you, don't put a bumper sticker on because we're all human and we mess up. But Lord, I just pray that we wouldn't just have you in our head and not engage our heart and our hands. We wouldn't just do good social stuff. We'd engage with our heart and our head. Lord, that you would be speaking in these coming days and weeks of where, Lord, we, we've got all these amazing things that are happening. I think right now, Super Club, Lord, and how we engage with the, the young people through that scripture in schools. And Lord, we've got such an amazing, Lord, pool of beautiful, loving people. So, Lord, we just lay that before you this morning. We lay that before you. We lay all the gifts at your feet, Lord, and say, your kingdom come and your will be done.
And while we just bow our heads, and while our eyes are closed and heads are bowed, and you're thinking, oh, I don't know this Jesus Keith is talking about. Well, I, I never want to lose an opportunity for someone to come back home or to come into the kingdom. Maybe it's, you're in the kingdom, but you've just, you, just, you just walked away. You're tired, you're burnt out, you're worn out, and maybe you've disconnected for God and you're doing it your way. While every eye is closed and heads are just bad. If that's you, if, you, if you're tired and you're worn out and you've, you've stopped, you've stopped engaging, you want to get back in that river of rest, if that's you, I just want to pray for you this morning. There's no shame in that. We all struggle. Thank you. I'm just going to give it a minute. If there's anybody else, you're just worn out and you're going, I'm done. And if it's you, the Lord says, come home and get in the river one more. Just be refreshed. Be refreshed. The Holy Spirit, I just ask that you will pour out upon those folk that, Lord, have engaged with you this morning. And for those who maybe, yeah, they're not used to raising their hands, so they've just engaged with their hearts, Lord, just, just touch them. Touch them with your refreshing rain, Lord. Touch them with your Holy Spirit. Speak to them, Lord. Tell them how much you love them, Lord, that, that they're your girls and your boys. and They don't have to do anything. They could sit in these chairs for the rest of their life and you wouldn't love them any less or any more. But Lord, we want to serve you out of a heart of love because you first paid the price. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. As you head back into your week, we want to encourage you to stay in his word, stay in his love, and stay strong in your faith. Don't forget to keep up to date with what's happening via Facebook, Instagram, or via our website at ycbc.church. See you soon.